3: Visit enterprise.co.uk forward slash business to find out more.
4: This is Talksport Daily.
3: Hello,
5: happy Monday, and welcome to yet another Andy Goldstein's Talksport Daily podcast with me, your host, who a lot of people now saying look like PLO because I've got the old beard and the long hair though. He didn't have an Alice band, he just simply turned into Jesus. Anyway, I'll be looking like him. Very, you don't care. Let's move on with it. We start with the Weekend Sports Breakfast Show and blah, Tony Cascarino. And he was saying he doesn't know who's coaching the players at Chelsea because they're a mess. Well, probably Jason Cundy then.
6: These cliches that are being thrown out with Frank and how he's doing. And, yeah, he's made the Champions League. And, yes, he's got this young squad. And and I'm just looking at what I see. What yeah. I see on the pitch. Yeah. Okay. And I understand where these, you know, the way of thinking. I don't know who's coaching the players at Chelsea, because i tell you, they're a mess, defensively. They are a total mess. Watching them last night, they can't, they give up space all the time, which is one of the worst things you can do. Because what happens when you, you give space away, people expose you and to exploit what you, yeah, you course. give them the chance to get into Bayern. areas. Yeah. And I see, I keep seeing the same da- Groundhog Day, Deja Vu, uh, winger gets out or wide man, fallback gets out wide, crosses it. Uh, centre-halves are both looking at each other and someone edits it in or someone finishes it off quite simply.
5: News broke over the weekend that Andre Pierlo, the person I said who looks a bit like me, has been made manager of Juve or Juventus as some people call them. Anyway, this was the reaction from the European football expert Kevin Hatchard on hearing the shock news.
0: It's a big surprise. I mean, Pirlo, you know, just moving into coaching. But Sari, it's a real shame. I think because do you think they
6: want him to play still.
0: <laughs> he do a hell of a job. I'm sure He'd do he do a will. hell of a job. Look, I, I think. With Sarri, it's a really interesting situation because I I go back to what happened at Chelsea. And obviously, he went to Juventus, but all parties were happy with that in the end because I think there was a feeling that Sarri never really gelled with the fans and the club weren't quite on the same wavelength as him either. He's a project coach. He's a guy, if you're going to get the best out of him, if you're going to get... He's best football. You have to give him time. And I think Juventus, it was quite left field when they brought him in, in the sense that he was very different stylistically to Max Allegri. And I think there was a feeling within Italian football that Juventus didn't just want to win. They wanted to win and they wanted to win well. And that just hasn't happened. We haven't seen Sarri ball in the way that we saw it towards the end at Napoli. We've seen them win the Scudetto, but win it in a very unconvincing yeah. way. They lost the Coppa Italia final against Napoli. And the defeat to Leon is an absolute disaster because it's a team that's gone backwards. They were knocked out in the quarters by Ajax last season. That was seen as a disaster. This is even worse. And for them not to even be involved in that mini tournament in Lisbon is a big mark against the club. And Cristiano Ronaldo, I suspect, will be fuming because for him to have played in his native Portugal in the latter stages of the tournament that he absolutely loves and the tournament he's dominated, he'll be very disgruntled at that. So I think Juve felt they needed to make a change and they needed to act quickly.
5: Now, did you know that Jason Tindall has taken over at Bournemouth? If you didn't know, well, that's me, Andy Gosling, that's broken the news to you. If you did know, that's because TalkSport South Coast reporter Alex Crook broke the news when it happened to the rest of you.
4: There's been. Some big-name candidates linked with the job. Chris Hutton, Lee Johnson, I know John Terry, and even Phil Neville uh, showed a bit of interest in the job. But Bournemouth are always going to appoint Jason Tindall. This was always their contingency plan. Uh, The only reason it's taken a week is because the chief executive uh, has Mm. been out of the country. They've got it done now. It's been the long-term plan that if Eddie Howe was to leave, and I think probably they expected him to be poached by a rival club rather than... Uh, walk away at the end of the season which ended in relegation Jason Tindall would step up mm-hmm. he knows the club he's captain the club he's popular in the dressing room he's popular with the supporters and it's not a sexy appointment uh, no question about that but I think given the level of upheaval that Eddie's departures are never to be going to create given they're going to lose players Nathan Ake has gone already Callum Wilson Joshua King uh, my expectation would be they also uh, will be heading for the exit this summer we shouldn't Assume that, that Jason Tinder was just a yes man to Eddie Howe. Their relationship as, as manager and assistant was very close. My understanding my understanding is that Jason Tinder was behind a lot of the tactical decisions, set pieces, his forte, and they scored the bulk of their goals right. from set pieces. So, while fans are always clamouring for a big name. Maybe they wanted the other JT, but would John Terry be a a better man for the job? Possibly not, in my opinion. It's going to be interesting to see how it pans out, but I think Jason Tindall has a determination. He he wants to mould the club now in his own image, having lived in Eddie Howe's shadow for a number of seasons. So let's see how it pans out. And also, Cass, I don't know if you have a view on this, but when you look at the teams who've gone up, Leeds, West Brom and Fulham, and the teams who are coming down, Norwich and Watford, I don't think the championship next season is going to be as strong as it. Is this season?
5: Time now to check back in with the weekend sports breakfast show with Georgie Bingham and Tony Cascarino. And now the football finance expert Kieran Maguire on the show giving his thoughts on how the League One and League Two wage caps will work. Of course, they won't work, it's a stupid idea.
1: The winners will be the clubs who are relegated from the Championship. Uh, The winners, to an extent, will be players who are on existing contracts because, again, only the average Mm. wage element will be contributing. Um, And the winners will be club owners because uh, only eight clubs in League One uh, are making a profit. Only one club in the Championship made a profit last season. So the, the game has been losing money for far too long. Whether this is a sophisticated enough system or whether it's a sort of a very crude measure, of dealing with things uh, we, we'll have to wait and see it's called the, uh, the the salary management championship protocol or something of that nature so presently or before the announcement yesterday in league one you could have spent 60 percent of your income on wages mm. and in league two 50 so what they've done is that they've changed the nature of the rules and they've made it a flat cap and then they've started to introduce loads of exceptions so if, if you're a player coming down from the Championship, where the average wage is uh, around about 15 grand a week, into League Two, where the average wage is about 2,300, mm. only the average wage in League One is counted uh, towards the cap. So if you if you if you're on a big contract, that effectively gets ignored. So that would appear to benefit those clubs who are being relegated, who have got players on bigger contracts.
5: And Stuart Pearce added his thoughts on the salary cap and he thinks performance-based salaries may be more effective than salary caps. See, told you, won't work. As a player, uh, I would want freedom to earn what I wanted. I've seen so many clubs as, as a manager and someone who cares about the game, so many clubs that have got into such financial difficulty by overspending that I think the future of the game it needs checking in some way the financial situation and maybe the top end of the game even uh, certainly needs pulling into to process a little bit more I think in Germany as well the German clubs have got more uh, a better process that is is uh, you earn on appearance you earn on potentially success that type of thing and I think our wage structure should be based more on that that would be my personal opinion now, there's a show on TalkSport over the weekend called Johnny Owen and Friends, or as I like to call it, Johnny Owen and... All oh, friends! Anyway, he does have some very famous friends. One of them was the former Wales and Nottingham Forest goalkeeper, Mark Crosley. He was on the show. Johnny Owen and... Oh, friends! Yeah, friends.
7: I was lucky enough to make my debut uh, at 18 years old for Forrest, um, and it was against Liverpool. And basically, long story short, I was probably getting a little bit too big for my boots, thinking that I'd made it. Clough has obviously seen that I'm getting a little bit too big for my boots. How can he knock me back down to earth? So he said, "Um, where are you going this weekend, son? I said, I'm going home. He said, where's home? I said, I live in Barnsley. He said, my house tomorrow morning, nine o'clock, bring your boots and your gloves. I it would help. So I get to his house at nine o'clock in the morning and I meet Barbara, his wife, and she said, hi, Mark, come in. Uh, Nice to meet you. I just still don't know why I'm there. So we're sat in, the, sat in the kitchen, chatting away. She said, Brian's upstairs. We'll be down in five minutes. So he comes downstairs and he said, son. I said, yes, boss. He said, thank you. He says, I won't call you what I usually call you because Barbara's here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said, but I'd like to say thank you for agreeing to play for Simon's team this morning.
8: <laughs> Before he
7: asked. They haven't got a goalkeeper and I thought you'd do, son. So I've gone from... 30,000 playing against Liverpool, 30,000 at Newcastle and 30,000 against Coventry to playing in di- the next day playing in division 5 of the Derbyshire Sunday League for AC Hunters. He made me play for Simon's team and the team got fined 50 quid for playing a ringer. You were a ringer coach. Yeah and Cluffy took the 50 quid out of my wages at Nottingham Forest to pay the fine.
8: Oh! <laughs> See, it was bad, and then it got worse.
5: <laughs>
7: I, I, was didn't... On 20, I was only on 27.50 a week. Oh,
5: two weeks' wages to play in the 50 Division of the public. Time to talk a bit of cricket, as Monty Panesar gave me his thoughts after England's three-wicket win over Pakistan in the first test. This was on the Barry Glenn Denning Show, alongside... Uh... Oh, competition winner, Max. I can't even read his name.
8: I think there's almost no more pleasurable uh, thing in sport than watching a, a successful run chase from England.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That was, uh, you know, unbelievable. Um, I think uh, a, a lot of people thought that, you know, 250 will be difficult to chase down. But uh, in the end, you know, they made 270 look quite easy. And uh, possibly, you know, Josh Butler was kind of looking to maybe likely to play his last test match. and he. Produced an um, uh, unbelievable performance, especially you know, behind the stumps where he missed a few chances, and mm-hmm. you can just you know feel you can feel for him. You think that you know he's struggling mentally. How is he going to cope? You know, with the run chase, is he going to just you know get out and then that's it? We don't see Joss Butler again in Test cricket, but you know, he showed some mental toughness and he really, you know, came through and produced an unbelievable performance.
8: And Chris Wokes as well. I mean, both of them, I mean, Wokes has done sort of nothing with the bat for a long time. He's a decent batsman as well, but he actually made it look pretty easy out there, which, which... You know, it wasn't because the pitch was doing a lot, and Pakistan's attack is superb, isn't it?
2: Yeah, Pakistan bowling attack is uh, is, is always going to test uh, you know the England uh, uh, batting lineup throughout the Test series, and uh, yeah, Chris Rokes right, is a, a type of player. He needs a few overs, um, a few games under his belt, and then and then you know he's a, he's a very rhythmical player, and and you can see like you know some of the shots he was playing. It was like Ricky Ponting,
5: Former England bowler Steve Harmison reacted to the news that Ben Stokes will miss the rest of the series to fly to New Zealand for family reasons. This was on the Sunday Sessions with Darren Bent.
9: When we hear news like this it becomes secondary sport of course yeah because of of, of of the it was well documented Jed was poorly during the South African series when we were out there for talk sport 2 um, and it affected Ben and it obviously it's it's to the point where he's had to he's having to go home he's gone back to his native New Zealand so it's heartbreaking news because I know Jed you know really well and it is the Stokes family and it is sad because Jed Stokes is a, a huge figure in Ben's life, um, mentor, somebody who obviously, obviously it's his father, but somebody who has played professional sport as well. So he knew the ups and downs of what was, you know, entailed to be a, a sportsman, and he helped Ben through some sort of good times and some difficult times. And you know, I know how highly regard. Uh, Jed Stokes is in Ben's life, and this is a, you know, it'll be a, it'll be, it's, it's a huge blow for for Ben himself. We've seen the whole, you know, the last euphoria of last year's World Cup and, and the Ashes and what he did at Heddenley. Um it, He's a huge part of this England cricket team. It's, it's going to be massive, and he's going to be a huge miss, and it's going to be interesting to see how. England, not only do they perform without him, but the balance of the side performs, because you know, not many times, in a, that, uh, cricketers like Ben Stokes are once in a, in, a, in a generation. I was fortunate to play with Andrew Flintoff, and the generation before was, was Surrey and Botham, and the balance that they give you between bat and ball, and, and you know, the other side that you can pick and potentially play an extra spinner, and you've got batting all at the depth that you've got. Without Ben, now England have got a big big decision to make, because I don't think that batting is good enough to just replace Ben as a batsman um, and keep the same bowling lineup. So you might have to see the balance of the England t- side change for the next Test match down at the Ager's Bowl.
5: And we had two special shows on TalkSport on Sunday afternoon. David Harewood hosted The Lonely One, The Life of a Goalkeeper. Looking at the oldest clichés in the book, that goalkeepers are a different breed, which they are, of course, absolutely barking.
10: When the climate James thing came up, I was thinking myself, is that because I've been whistling Calamity Jane in the way to work? Because Calamity Jane is one of my favourite films. Last of the Bar is one-legged crow, or three-legged crow, sorry, but I could, I could sing the song and all that stuff. So I used to whistle this song and I was thinking, is that what it is? And um, fortunately, years later, I mean, I, it might have been better had it happened straight away, but my mum had kept some clippings from my Watford days. And uh, we we're going through some old photos and whatever, and these clippings popped up. And it was in one of the Watford newspaper reports, that Calamity James. I was thinking, you know what, this has, been, <laughs> this has been going around since I was at Watford. It isn't something that the Liverpool guys have invented. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was annoying because I liked the movie. And I like that particular song. Going to France was interesting; has been interesting even to today. I mean, I've been to France, and go, Ah, oh, calamity, James. And I'm thinking the way you've asked, and they want a photo with me, and the way they ask it, it's not it, it's actually not an insulting term. It's almost like that's your name. So, uh, whereas I used to sort of give people a look of disgust and possibly avoid them, now it's just like okay, if you remember me for something, and that's what it is, then. That's the way it is. You know what I mean? I can't change that. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of it's taken on different different faces over the uh, over the years. Not one that you would want to have, as you say, but um, it is what it is. And Russ Williams
5: and Spencer Oliver brought us the fight of my life with former WBO cruiserweight champion Johnny Nelson.
8: I saw the good and bad side of human nature. I saw how fickle people could be, how mean they could be, how cruel they could be. I realised that when you when you picked up a newspaper and there was a, a joke about an individual, that individual is someone's mother, brother, son, father, whatever. So and I saw that in, in national newspapers about me, and it hurt, boxing's very funny because when you're at work and your boss gives you a mouthful and tells you off that's it it's done and dusted when you're boxing everybody thinks that they're your boss everybody has an opinion everybody tells you what you did wrong or how rubbish you were or or, or they, they'll give you some stick and you've got to take it day after day after day after day every time I boxed after that it was, that's all that was mentioned
5: and both of those podcasts are available to listen again to on the Talk Sport Daily and Fight Night podcast feeds Time now to check in with Simon Jordan on Simon Jordan's final word. This is Simon Jordan having his final word on Simon Jordan's final word.
6: Gareth Bale, not even in the matchday squad for Madrid's defeat in the Champions League against Manchester City, well done Manchester City by the way. His agent, I think it's Jonathan Barnett, isn't he? Yeah, Jonathan Um, Barnett. Yeah, um, yeah. he's absolutely determined that um, Gareth is quite happy to see out the next two years of the contract that still still remains at Real Madrid. Um, Do you have any sympathy
8: for Gareth here? No, not really. No. What's the point, Gareth? If you don't want to play, then then why are you a professional footballer? You've got this incredible ability. You clearly are a top class player. I listened to him on a podcast the other day, being smart and being disrespectful to the Madrid fans and talking about the idea that Los Blancos, the fans, the Madrileño fans, that, that they boo you when you go on the pitch if you don't play well. And he said that works in reverse. If you're booed, your confidence gets worse. And it, I never understood that. And, and the Madrid fans are the worst there. And I thought, oh, that's really sensible, Gareth. And then he goes on in previous times to have stood in front of a flag saying, Wales, golf and Madrid. I would like to think that Gareth Bale would have enough professional pride in himself to say I don't want to be here at a club that doesn't want me anymore I can pick up 17 million quid or they can do a deal with me get someone they can pay some of my wages someone else can pay some of my wages and we can all move about our business and I can end up playing the next two or three years of my career which are probably the last two or three years given the way this player is built and, and the injuries he's had at a top level club that can that want my services rather than just sit there and say well, I've got an oblig- they've got an obligation to me and I don't care how little I play.
5: Well, that's it for another podcast. Good work, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Andy Goldstein TalkSport Daily. You can, of course, listen to us on the TalkSport app or, of course, we're still available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast or wherever you get your poddies from. But if you add the TalkSport app to your phone, you can listen to all the podcasts plus your favourite radio shows as well, which obviously will be mine. A reminder that Manchester United play Copenhagen with FC at the beginning. That sounds for football club, don't you know? In the Europa League quarterfinals tonight from 8pm on TalkSport. Come on, United. I, of course, won't be taking your calls from Tempe on Andy Goldstein Sports Bar, as Jason Cundy will be, because I'm doing Drive today from 4pm alongside Goffe. So make sure you tune in to at least one of those shows, if not both, if not everything on TalkSport forever. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Have a great day. Be safe, everyone. Be safe. Be safe.
3: only from rustolium